0: Welcome back to another episode of the Exterminatus podcast: All things competitive in the world of Warhammer 40,000. My name's Eric. With me is my co-host Robert. Hi. And we are back after uh, yep, that's the big highs of the WCW. It's interesting to see what this week would bring, and a bit of surprise. Uh, we actually have two codices that have not been released. A lot of the online reviewers that did get preview copies are now dispensing their knowledge of what they know in the new book. And some of these are um, very interesting places in the meta. One is, by far, one of the more stronger choices, especially in team tournaments. The other one has been known as the doormat of 10th edition. Will they continue to maintain those roles? Uh, We're going to discuss that in depth tonight. Um, Other than that, the other big news, of course, was the uh, armies on parade, which is really hard to talk about in a radio format, but um, surprise, surprise, um, very pretty models at this point. (laughs) I mean,
1: nothing is ever going to be as beautiful as the nine nerglings that I'm halfway done with, even though they look terrible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just was looking at the way you were painting those because you get the nice gradient going. I mean, what's the game plan? I just kind of add a couple details like eyes and horns and call it a day. What's the plan?
1: Well, the the mouths, the eyes, and the open wounds all have the, the glowing green energy to mark to, like, yeah, no, they're Mark of Nurgle. Ta-da! And then do up their bases to match my knights. And then at that point, I'm like, "Ah, I never want to touch these things again because, (laughs) oh my god, I forgot how much I hate painting lots of small round surfaces.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, this week uh, here in the state was, of course, Thanksgiving. So it probably contributes to the uh, tournament to your state side. What was your Thanksgiving, Robert? I worked. You worked? Yeah. This was the first time in nine years I did not work on Thanksgiving. It was kind of wild. <laughs> Didn't know what to do with myself. So it was kind of nice. It was like I was actually home and participated in family things as opposed to racing to my um, racing back after work and getting home as fast as I can before mealtime. So it was kind of wild.
1: Yeah, but it wasn't too bad. The, the day of work was really, really, really quiet. So <laughs> I could have taken a nap.
0: Yeah. yeah, It's funny. I was like that on Friday. We had to work uh, Friday. And I was like, oh, and I was shocked to see how many people are still closed on Black Friday in our industry. So it's just like, oh, okay. Glad well, I'm here. I'm not sure what I'm actually doing. So it's mm-hmm. kind of a waste of a day, but whatever. Mm-hmm.
1: But yep. Other fun little announcement of the me variety. I am running
0: my first tournament next week. How's about that? Tell us what you're running. Where is it? Where can we find you?
1: So, it is. On December 2nd, down at Baxter's Games, down in, like, Santan. Kind of way out in the neck of the woods. (laughs) But it's a small little, like, 10-person event there. Their gaming space is kind of tight, so they don't have enough space for, like, 20-person... Excuse me, 20-person RGTs and stuff like that.
0: I think it'll be a good start. Congratulations. It should be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. um, It it is going to be rough, though, because it's also on the same weekend as when I start my new schedule at work. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. So I'll be going from work straight down to Santan, maybe catch a 45-minute nap, and then do a tournament.
0: So what you're saying is, it's okay to ask you a thousand one questions.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the questions will wake me up. Yes.
0: Nice. Speaking of a thousand questions, one of the things I wanted to follow up on from a previous uh, we talked about uh, um, a previous winner of the London GT, and we were like, who is this VSL guy? And uh, he was actually interviewed on uh, a friend of the show's podcast. So if you remember. Uh, Robert interviewed uh, Vic Vijay and uh, he and David Gaylord actually have a really cool program called uh, Fireside Chat. They talk about a you know, top level 40k from the European standpoint. And it turns out this gentleman, is that his real name and all that? He's actually a Belgium WTC player who has relocated to London. So all of a sudden he's popping up at all kinds of English events. So we finally figured out who this mystery person is and... Why is he winning? Oh, so okay. So when we say we get back to it, we get back to it. We actually do our research here.
1: Yeah, that's, it makes me sound like a dingus. Because <laughs> I am like, who the frick is this guy?
0: No. No, I wouldn't say that. But um, the one thing, though, that is interesting about that show, listening to it, I'm on my second episode, kind of going through some of their back catalog. Vic, as you remember, when he was on the show, elegant speaker, just between the English accent and just the way he holds himself. Every time I listen to that show, I feel like I'm underdressed. Like I should. It just, you know, just, <laughs> even it's it's still 40k. It is. They have such a regal way of talking about it. I'm just like, oh my gosh. You know, just. <laughs> I guess we're much more casual and to the point, but uh, it's just funny. Definitely worth a list. You guys definitely need to check it out.
1: Yeah, I still remember that conversation with Vic very, very well. It was a blast to chat with him about stuff, and he's the he's the kind of Warhammer player that you would actually want to sit down and have a cup of tea with, and accidentally chat for two or three hours, and you'll probably learn something.
0: Yeah, there's a lot to learn from it as well. So it's very interesting to. Very interesting show, very excited. Um have something new in my playlist of late. A couple of the other shows were kind of light this week. It's also with the, with the holiday. So it's nice to just discover new podcasts. Uh, we, on the other hand, far from uh, new as we're on. Uh, this is uh, episode 293. So yeah, we're approaching our 300th episode. So we're looking at a kind of introspective, I'm going to get around that point, but also maybe a little facelift here and there. So if you have any ideas or um, suggestions, throw them up on our Facebook page. And while I'm at that, I just want to say a hearty thank you to all of you as the listeners and also for Robert for providing a good chunk of the content lately. Uh, This past month uh, of October, we saw a 30% increase in likes and subscribers on our Facebook page alone. So... It was pretty impressive, so I want to say thank you for doing so, and uh, hope to uh, see a lot of new faces uh, listening to our show on a regular basis. I'm very excited about this. So
1: what you're saying is, Eric, I need to ramble more and not breathe. That will make a proportional growth of our followers.
0: Uh, No, what I'm saying is I better uh, start getting some of my pictures online to help you out, because it seems like... (laughs) Uh, nah, w-
1: I don't need to breathe. It's fine. I can talk forever.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, apparently works in progress are um, your guys' jam, so you go and see more about that. So um, I kind of wait till I massage my, my models to uh, pure perfection, which never happens. So uh, probably take a few pictures in between, so it like that'll be a lot of fun. That's what people are looking for, so... So works in progress, let's talk about a finished product. And uh, this was a bit of a surprise, but I keep forgetting. Oh yeah, Thanksgiving's an American holiday. Not something that happens in England. So when I kept seeing all these codex, uh, nuggets of information coming across the community page, I was like, oh, is that coming out this week? And sure enough, uh, our friends over at Goodhammer, uh have released their review of both the Necron codex as well as the Adeptus Mechanicus codex and um, Let's dive right into the more controversial one of the bunch. Would be the Necron Codex. Necron players across the world are I've taken to Reddit to say that they are beep bop, beep bop not happy. But um, I think Goonhammer does a nice job of painting it in the in the picture that there's a lot to look forward to here. And overall, it, there's a lot going on in these new 10th edition codices.
1: Yep. So. FYI, at least for me, this is going to be a first ever read of these reviews because I was busy with other plans today, so I couldn't sit there and put my nose to a, a digital screen and find out everything. But with the little bit that I have read, it sounds like, um, well, if you're playing in a competitive format, we're going to see a little less Lichguard and a lot more Wraiths.
0: Yeah. Definitely a lot to see from there. Um, I have had a few minutes to to read through this, and um, there's also a lot of changes that are reflective from the last data slate, so we'll get into that as well. But I think um, the key thing is the fla- the feel and the flavor of the Necrons has not changed. There's a few here and there, so maybe some key uh, un- units will not see as much uh, life, but the, the key thing is the anim- reanimation protocols really unchanged. Um, how often you get to use them that may be uh, changed. So the uh, overpoweredness of throwing a couple, I think they're called. Uh, the, oh, I forgot they were called. We'll get to that in a second. Let's get into we'll get into. It. But the diversity is really one of the key things, and I think that's probably the biggest thing that we're seeing right now with all the new codices that have come out so far in tenth edition is. It's not so much power creep in terms of everything gets dialed up from an eight to an 11. It's now you go from one or two choices to five and six choices, which is kind of nice.
1: Mm-hmm. And kind of continuing on through the article, um, it gets to the reanimation protocols, which have historically been awesome, been terrible, been awesome, been terrible. And this edition. It was kind of a that's a kind of okay version of the rule. It's not super crazy like it was in ninth edition, but it still kind of functions the same way. Yeah, so, so
0: it's it's pretty straightforward. I think that's the biggest thing. Is it used to be incredibly complicated in previous editions and. Uh, weird exceptions and stuff like that the biggest thing was you had to keep track of didn't, did the models die from an attack or were they lost because of leadership issues and the, those the leadership ones couldn't come back but the other ones could it was like oh so confusing
1: yeah I still remember my my very first Scorched Earth Open I ended up playing Ray with his Thousand Suns and my big brick of destroyers he got one down to one wound and then on the start of my next turn i rolled reanimates i got all five of the other destroyers back which felt real real bad
0: yeah i want to say one of my not my last lvo but the one before that that was one of those yeah I think I killed eleven destroyers in a three-man unit. It just it kept coming back. I was like, "What the heck?" So, um, and then the annoyance the of um, oh, those things called the tomb—not no, tomb spiders. What are they called the, the the jet bikes that they have. They they were up on top of the terrain, so I could never reach them. So that was another thing that was kind of a nuisance, but that was more of a terrain issue than a Codex issue. But uh, first off, uh, I gotta say goodbye. We were talking about the speculating among the crew here and uh, Ray was right. Uh, so very interesting, and I, this is a trend I'm not real thrilled about that I'm seeing is uh, just because it's in fine cast doesn't mean you're gonna get in plastic anytime soon. So yes, we got a new Emotech, we got a new Oricon. Unfortunately, that's all you're getting. So Enric here, Oberon, Zandrek, and then the generic Lord, not the Overlord sorry, they're gone. Perhaps to be added at a later date, but at this point they are not in the Codex moving forward. Which, uh, the, even the reviewers from Gunhemberg marked the, they're, they're kind of a big part of the narrative. Why are they gone from the game? So, sad to see them go. And, um, <laughs> which is sad because Zandrek and Oberon, when this uh, Codex refresh came out at the end of 5th edition, were a huge part of the Necron competitive scene, and They're all gone now. It's kind of sad.
1: Yep. And I know the generic lord could always be a cheap and effective replacement to an overlord as a HQ slot because you had to you basically paid half price for an HQ unit that sure didn't give you one buff, but it gave you another one still. And you could still bring a resurrection orb. So it was at least that was back in eighth edition when I picked up Necrons. I in ninth edition they were gross, but that's another entire eggshell that I'm avoiding stepping on. <laughs> <laughs> so it from the sounds of it, the the reanimation thing has the initial rule has stayed roughly the same, whereas you still regenerate d3 wounds or d3 models if they're like warriors or one-wound guys. And it doesn't get anything really crazy in that rule sense. But then they add in stuff like the reanimator and the resurrection orbs, which give you extra regenerations. And beforehand, at least in the index, it was the each resorb could do multiple uses through the game. And from the sounds of it, the resorbs have been taken back down to once per game. Yep.
0: And they added a further restriction that even if you have multiple orbs, you can still only use it once per turn. So that's kind of an interesting way of reducing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reanimator, canaptic reanimator as well, uh, still gives you additional D3 wounds to reanimate. The biggest range, though, it went from a 12-inch aura to a 3-inch aura, so... As they describe, you can't just park it in the on your home objective and just reanimate things across the table,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which I think is a, a, a fair way of uh, <laughs> making that work. The auras the in general in this game have definitely feel like they're all getting kind of shortened down a little bit. So, yeah,
1: and then there's also I know they have a stratagem that lets you do resurrections at odd times, and it sounds like. That also got touched in a little bit of a way. I don't think they specify it in the article directly, but it is a nice change to make it so that way immortal bricks of warriors are no longer a thing. Yeah.
0: So yeah, the warrior brick is, instead of uh, getting additional, you simply get to re-roll the uh, reanimation. So you'll be more consistent, but you're not like days of getting a 20 man blob back up to full strength inside of a single shooting phase probably not going to see that
1: yep and the last bit that i caught here this is the one that everyone had a grape with the crypto thralls aka the murder buckets because i love calling them murder buckets um they have lost their feel no pain
0: yeah this one's a big one and um I admit I did not play against this, but if I were a Necron player, I'd be kind of like, whoa, that's a big change. So um, I don't know. Uh, we'll see if this, this might be a touch a little too far in that direction, but um, we'll see what happens with that. So,
1: Well, they still become part of the unit, so they can still be reanimated like normal but from the sounds of it is they gained an extra wound for losing the Feel No Pain. So in order to bring back a Crypto Thrall, you need to spend three of your reanimation rolls to bring back the Crypto Thrall, which I think is a nice trade because you still get a three wound model back into a unit that has a slightly better armor save. And with the corresponding characters also has an invulnerable
0: save. So kind of neat so just it's kind of a side grade so i think it's just a matter of rediscovering how to use all this again which is always fun with the new codex but it's compared to like complete rewrites we've seen in codex releases it's not that bad is what i've seen last little thing that we've also seen too is the um technomancer uh he can only join Knaptic wraiths now um he does not join warriors and lichguard anymore so i thought that was an interesting Mm -hmm. change so all of a sudden Knaptic wraiths get a bit of a boost but uh it's another hit against the lichguard the uh, lichguard brick being completely indestructible so
1: yep which i i remember as i was playing necrons back in eighth edition the entire goal for Necrons was to not be interacted with. Because we had three Doomsday Orcs, we had the Doom Size, and then we had minimum amount of points of everything else to go and stand on buttons. We shot you from range, we used the crazy Death Ball strat the Doom Size had, and then when it came to 9th edition, it was very much kind of the same, but instead with, like, destroyers and... Silent King and all this other stuff of you don't get to interact with me, but I get to interact with you because I'm charging you. I stand back up and all this other (laughs) lack of trading back and forth. Yeah, And in this edition, playing against one Necron game that was still... It wasn't bad, but it definitely was a struggle because... Yeah, my my custodian terminators man it took two entire turns to kill effectively two and a half warrior bricks
0: that's still pretty efficient killing so I don't know if I can with my current build if I can even kill a single uh, brick from that amount of time so interesting so we'll see how all this changes as time progresses
1: but yes now we can start venturing into their detachments though
0: indeed so the uh, Waken Dynasty is the one that's what's in the index. Not much has changed there. If you got a leader in the unit, uh, that unit is plus one to hit. Simple, um, pretty straightforward. Uh, pretty nice to see that. Uh, most of the enhancements are still the same. Uh, one of them kind of just got a name change. The Fatal Subjugator uh, plus one to hit for non-character units, which is kind of nice. So if you uh, basically if you don't have enough leader models, which I don't know how you don't. Uh, go around. You can still extend the plus one to hit uh, to another unit. Uh, the veil of darkness is, is back. Uh, the classic uh, teleporting around the table, and um, for and the, all the pretty much stratagems are relatively the same there. So um, the, probably the biggest one. Hang on one second as I scroll too far. Is... So
1: the the biggest changes are for the. Protocol of the Conquering Tyrant and the venge- and the Vengeful awesome. Stars, Thanks. yeah. So effectively, if you're going theme wise, it's uh, it's the Mefrit and I want to say Sawtek Strats. That's the the way they sound to me anyway, but meh. <laughs> so the Con- the Conquering Tyrant strat, instead of giving full rerolls to wound, it went down to reroll ones to wound within half range or full rerolls in half range if you have a character.
0: And to me, it's like in this particular detachment, why wouldn't you have a character leading them? So, kind of like, oh, okay.
1: It's for instances of... because this actually makes sense why they changed the um, relic from leading to plus one to hit. Because people were slapping that enhancement on Hexmark Destroyers to then give uh, Doomsday Arcs and stuff the benefit of being led by a model which would make them hit on twos and stuff. Right. Or something like that. So the the balance there is very much a, Oh, you use a strat on either a bajillion shots, like out of warriors and you're just fishing for like devastating wounds or something like that. Or as they point out, you pair it up with the heavy destroyers and stuff like that, where they naturally get like reroll hits and stuff and that, that kind of thing, I guess. But yeah, it's, watered down
0: significantly
1: from what it used to be.
0: So this I could see being yeah, you might be a little upset if you're playing this, but um, uh, overall I'm kind of like, you've got more choices now, so maybe you can find things that are still comparable, mm-hmm. you know, in that regard. Uh, unfortunately, the next detachment is not. The, um, it I don't know. I want to like it really bad, but um, I don't know. It is the hardest part. I've already run into this with already with my current army. They have several stratagems or conditions where your opponent needs to be below half strength. It's Mm -hmm. almost like, um, yeah, it's so situational. It doesn't really become... Useful, so yeah. So, anyway, we're talking about the annihilation protocol. This is the attachment supposed to be all the destroyer and flayed ones into one group. And uh, if the target enemy is below half strength, they get plus one to the charge, and uh, you're also able to reroll their charges as as a whole. So, rerolling charges, not that bad. That part I'm I'm pretty excited about since it's mostly assault, and um, but. Yeah, below half is... It's, I don't know, it just doesn't seem to come up that often. So,
1: Yeah, it's very much the idea of... Like the Vanguard onslaught for Tyranids, where they get to advance in charge, and if they're Vanguard invader units, they get to also fall back in charge. So it's, uh, it's meant to be a real kind of... I'm taking a mostly melee force with either heavy or light firepower behind it that plinks away at stuff and is a naturally aggressive themed detachment. Cause yeah, it's destroyers and stuff. Those guys literally only care about one thing. They might as well be a Dalek. I'm not going to say the actual phrase because, you know, (laughs) copyright stuff, but, uh, The entire idea is that the destroyers are walking forward and completely eviscerating whatever they touch because it's trying to run away from them. So when you look at stuff like the, the soulless Reaper enhancement and it gives them, when they try to fall back on a three plus they're stuck in combat with you, which is what you want with like Scorpec destroyers. Yeah, that was a pretty cool one. Although that one is situational cuz you need to throw your guns at people. <laughs> if you fail the charge, then you don't get to do anything about it. Um and then some other noticeable one's like the Eldritch Nightmare causes battle shock tests at the start of the fight phase within engagement range. Not super relevant all the time, but battle shock tests are still very very important. Uh, Then there's a fight on death one. Um, Extra AP on critical wounds with um, ingrained superiority. And yeah, like the score packs are still nasty because they do devastating wounds and stuff. So it's like, mm, how much extra AP do you actually need when you're doing dev wounds?
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's like a little things like that. For example, there's also a stratagem that allows you to um, over attacks. The key sounds really cool at first until you realize that you can't end in engagement range. So it's like, um, how far can I actually go? It sounds great when it's on a jet bike, not so cool when it's on an infantry model. So it's like, Mm -hmm. okay. So that's, I think, what really hampers this um, detachment a lot is there's a little, you read the fine print and you realize this could be really cool. And you realize, "Mm, how often am I going to be able to use this on a regular basis? So disappointing but um could have been a lot worse
1: yep and then the next one is the one that everyone on the internet is kind of up in a hoopla about and that's the canoptic court so
0: yeah this one's kind of (laughs) neat
1: yep so i have not read anything about this so it is going to be interesting so the rule is called power matrix and It's very much a shadow of chaos kind of feel, because you're either within the electric field or you're not. And that one is actually really flavorful. Because it doesn't there's no way to interact with it because it's just controlling objectives to spread out the electric field. And then I think this is the juicy bit right here. So if you're so all cryptech and all canoptic units reroll ones to hit all of the time. That is kind of wild.
0: Then the second part, while they're wholly within your power matrix, this changes to full rerolls. Oh
1: yeah. Yeah, no, that is utterly bonkers.
0: So yeah, you want to control majority of the objectives in each of the three zones. Your deployment zone, no man's land, and or your opponent's uh deployment so, similar to how shadow chaos works works so but most of the time you're gonna be focused on no man's land so if you control uh half or more of the objectives no man's land the power matrix and this is actually modeled after an old uh, apocalypse detachment um this is a lot better than that one by the way because i used to give you free units but the idea is that your opponent has wandered onto a tomb world, and it's now coming up from the ground below them. So, surprise! You're actually on my lawn. Please get off. Get off my lawn! Exactly. So, yeah, very much focus on the caretakers, so the cryptics and the canoptic units, and um, just that alone. I mean, it's pretty nasty. But we'll add on uh, six more stratagems for fun. It's just like, oh okay
1: yep and going through their enhancements i don't even have to finish reading the first one which is dimensional sanctum which just gives the bearer's unit infiltrate that is obscenely good that is just i think that one is a little over the top (laughs) And then there's the hyperphasic fulcrum, which is reroll once to wound for the unit. The bearer is leading. So not the actual bearer. So rerolling once to wound is always, always pretty good. Um, And then I see we have the return of like Karaz Aquila or whatever it was for guard back in eighth edition of, Oh, Hey, My opponent got back CP. Do I get back CP? Yes, I do.
0: Yeah, I never liked... I never understood that mechanic. I was not a big fan of it.
1: And then the last one is... The Metallodermal Tesla Weave. I'm surprised I can even say that
2: correctly. Jesus.
1: So... as As a charged target... It does some mortal wounds and you could do that once per phase. So it's that one is kind of meh. But it's it's still a good one overall, but it is not as beneficial as like Dimensional Sanctum and Um the Fulcrum. Because the Auto Divinator is also a really good extra choice. But I have a feeling that one is going to be anywhere from twenty-five to thirty-five points. That's just me speculating, though. Yep.
0: One thing we don't have yet is point values, but what we do have are some mm-hmm. interesting uh, stratagems to go with this. So right at the back, the Sinusure of the eradication. It is the uh, a two CP stratagem. And it is a battle tactic, so the good news is, if you're the opponent, you have an opportunity to make it a 3 CP, but the bad news is the Overlord can also make it a free one, and they probably will, because if you're targeting a unit that's wholly within the power matrix, um, if you put the stratagem on the Necron unit, that Necron unit gets devastating wounds until the end of the phase. Remember we kept talking about all these re-rolls they're getting with this detachment?
2: yeah yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so how about uh Tesla Mortals with the plasma Answers? one of the examples they give yeah sustained hits two on a five up now become devastating. oh that's that's <laughs> that's an effective answer for a lot of things. yeah,
1: who, cool, buddy. And as far as I can remember, Canoptic units are also fairly durable. Like, not so much in actual saves, but in a lot of wounds kind of thing, I think.
0: Yeah. Another, they mentioned the Wraith unit with the hyperphasic fulcrum that Robert just mentioned. Pretty awesome. So that was pretty cool.
1: Now, here's the question I'm now finding, because I know for warriors, you could have multiple characters slapped into them. As long as only one character can join race, they can't do both the fulcrum and the infiltrators things to have this super scary all eggs in one basket kind of unit. And that's a good thing. Because <laughs> if you could put multiple characters in a race unit, ooh, ooh, ouch, that
0: would that would hurt. Yeah, but if you did, be careful because there is this thing called the reactive subroutines. That allows Wraiths to make a move up to 6 inches. This ability whips whenever it appears. So yeah, um, you can actually jump a guy into uh, close combat on the opponent's turn, which is kind of nasty.
1: Oh, oh man. I mean, it's only moved 6 inches?
0: Yeah, but remember, you're infiltrating these guys ahead of time. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then there's the Countertemporal shift which you make a you give a canoptic unit loan operative why
0: so it can't be shot Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's
1: so rude yep
0: yeah. so the next two detachments um are even more rude because there's nothing so one of Wax a little poetic. I started playing Necrons at the end of Second Edition. It was actually my very first army, and one of the things that pissed off the players to no end. It wasn't so much that the rules were unbalanced, is because they had, believe it or not, Necrons back then had "They shall have no fear." That's a that's a Space Marine rule. How dare you give that to a Xenos filth? It doesn't even have a codex. You're using a few pages out of White Dwarf to play your army. Well, um, fast forward uh, to today. The next two detachments steal from space marines once again. So did you want Necrons with Oath of Moment? We have the detachment for that.
1: So I'm going to take a guess by the picture of the Silent King on the Obeyance Phalanx. That's what this one is.
0: Yes. So, so this, is, yeah, oh, we'll be in ahead, this is... Yeah, sorry. Um, it's basically all the, if you remember, the fluff of... Necron, so all the triarchs, the Lich Guards, and the Overlords. So, this is all the uh, high elite above the dynasty nonsense. And basically, what they do is they pick a unit on the table in your command phase. Anything that attacks that, um, plus one, of the wound into the next command phase.
1: Whew. Yeah. Like that one, it's pretty big deal because yeah. now you're in warriors and you're immortals heck even your death marks and stuff like that are looking at really big vehicles and going yeah I wound you on fives
0: yeah and then you add eternal conquer enhancement uh, giving a unit full rerolls against enemy units that are within range of an objective
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh boy oh boy and they have um, a stratagem that apparently lets you do crits on fives? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that one is very much the, uh, I'm rolling a billion dice, you're going to die eventually.
0: <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh. on top of that, if that's not enough, there's another stratagem that gives you uh, minus one battle shock. So, uh, that's pretty nice. And um, it's very situational, though. It's... Um, you can activate it as long as you can target your Warlord with the strategy event at this point when the opponent's Warlord dies. But uh, it adds up after a while, especially if you can force multiple um, Battle Shocks across the, the table, so that's pretty nice.
1: Yep. And then there's a um, Precision and Melee buff in there somewhere. A minus one damage for one CP.
0: And there's also a plus one OC as well, so that's kind of nice. So lots of tools in this one. I think this one might be – you're going to have to tell me. But remember when the NID Codex came out? They were like, well, this is the strong one. But then there was this other detachment. It's like it's a little on the tricksy side. It was very much like a, a board control, but it has a, a high ceiling but a very low floor. i will trying to remember which one that
1: um, the three that they were initially talking about for the NIDS Codex being the best were Invasion Fleet, Synaptic Nexus, and Vanguard Onslaught. Vanguard Onslaught was that I think really, was- low four, really low floor, because sure, you can have a, a really heavy board control melee focused army where you can tar pit your opponent turn one, but your stuff is really, really fragile. So it would explode in like two turns. And then invasion fleet is just kind of the all around good cookie, like you use it for everything. And then synaptic nexus is the one where it really rewards you in masterful play of your army.
0: It might be that third one then. What is is the one with all the feeder stuff? And it was like, oh, oh
1: that one's the the harvesters. <laughs> okay.
0: So this reminds me a lot of the harvester one. It's just like it's hard to play, but if you master this look out, you might be unstoppable.
1: Maybe. But I think the Hyper Crypt Legion, which is the last attachment. Yeah. might say something about that, but it has I, a picture of a monolith.
0: <laughs> yeah, so this is, so as Robert was waxing nostalgic about playing Necrons in 8th, this is how I played Necrons in 2nd and 3rd. Um, this is exactly how they played. The monolith was the new model at the time, and uh, the short way is remember we said oh both of moments not your style what others i want to i want to play necrons but i I want all the gray knight rules here you go Um.
1: (laughs) so this harkens back to playing um in eighth edition they were the ones that you when you advance you automatically advance six you got to phase through models and stuff while you're advancing, and it was the fastest Necron army in the game.
0: Yeah, I loved, I loved this when I played Necrons. When this went away, um, this one pretty much I stopped playing uh, Necrons at this point. I moved on to the... And then at the same time, the Chaos 3.5 Codex came out. So, you know, can you blame me? But I switched over to that. But uh, this is very intriguing, and as uh, we were talking before here, I have a Necron army that's uh, needing some love, and this might be where I'm headed if I were to play them again. So, uh, just like uh, Grey Knights in a 2,000 point army, at the end of my end of my opponent's turn, I can pull three units off the table that are not in engagement range and put them in into reserve. So they're not quite as good as Grey Knights because they don't have as much deep strike, but mm-hmm. I'm still in reserve and zipping them around the table
1: well the important thing is is I get why they now show a monolith you can strategic reserve a monolith
0: and things through the monolith as well
1: yep so you get to hide the monolith and then on your next turn bring it in unless it's turn one I believe Correct.
0: And, the, and the, you can't bring things through the model if you brought in through reserve. It does have to be on the table at the start of the turn, but um, still really, really, really cool. And this is especially when I use this uh, RTTs uh, like they do now, they're getting a little better. You always have that risk of how bad is the train going to be and am I going to have line of sight blocking? Well, the model is big enough to give you line of sight blocking. So now you can put this, like, board center and go, like, I can hide stuff behind this. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So the, the teleporting stuff is really cool. And they do actually catch the specification of you cannot use this to redeploy a unit turn one if you go second. So you have to charge up the batteries first.
0: So pretty cool. I like it because, um, yeah, if you have that one turn, you got to kind of arm it back up. Uh, nifty stratagems to talk about. How about quantum deflection, giving a vehicle a 4-up Uh Yes, please. Uh, there's another one. Oh, you're shooting at one of my Titanic models. If you're within 18 inches of me, um, be careful, because all your weapons just became hazardous.
1: Yep, yeah, that one is very, very funny, because the monolith is big and chunky and people aren't going to be able to chew through it very fast unless they have real, 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 real heavy firepower and the table is smaller. So 18 inches isn't hard to achieve, especially if you come in from strategic reserves. Why do I keep talking about that idea? That idea is super silly and the monolith is over six inches big, I think. <laughs>
0: Um, remember how annoying it is when those Trixie Eldar can uh, get back in their transports? Uh, I think Marines also have that ability where they can get in their transports after you shoot them or charge them.
1: Yeah, on specific transports, yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah, um, this uh, group, they have a stratagem. Uh, you can get back into a transport. Oh, wait, the only transport on the table is the monolith 24 inches away. Not a problem. I lose a model, through the tele to the monolith you go. <laughs> you didn't want to shoot with those other units did you sorry they're now on the other side of the table
2: that
1: is actually kind of funny i love the fact that this entire thing focuses around a monolith but if you pay the points to bring two of these you're not going to have very much left yeah.
0: exactly i don't know if the days of three monoliths i think are long gone but um so neat stuff. Uh, one thing, it's going to be a controversial rule because the ruling is uh, the rules are a little unclear. And they have a nifty stratagem as well: reanimation crypts. This allows you to trigger in your command phase reanimation protocols for units that are still in reserve. That one's actually really cool. <laughs> that is really cool. I think that's kind of neat. Oh, let's put them into uh, reserve and let's them heal up before they come back into play. I like that. And um, there's also a nifty way where you can teleport uh, via Deep Strike anywhere in the battlefield that's more than three inches away from enemy units.
1: Okay. There has to be a stipulation of you can't charge after that. (laughs) If there's Uh, not, I'm going to have an issue.
0: (laughs) Let's see. It overrides the normal strategic limitations for units that don't have the native Deep Strike that are using it. Uh So they recommend doing it with um, to a block of 20 warriors. It's come right out, but encircle a lone operative. Uh, let's see what else they've got. Or do it with Nightbringer. By the way, Nightbringer and uh, Deceiver got uh, glow-ups in the codex.
1: <laughs> that makes me happy. I don't have them anymore, but it makes me happy.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't have my... I don't think I have monoliths. I think I sold I at least two of my monoliths. I hope I have one left.
1: Yeah, and i Maybe i could never refor- i could never afford to get a monolith, but I know I have a Tesseract vault. Yeah.
0: So, um, beyond that, uh, a few new uh, changes. In as I mentioned the satan got a uh, glow up. Uh, more importantly, they got a five out feel no pain, and um, particle weapons are all, all ballistic skill two. And, uh, they got rid of the ballistic skill two. Uh, I'm not sure why they were ballistic skill two in the past, but um, and we already talked about Resurrection Orbs. So mm-hmm. that's kind of all the changes there. Um,
1: well, the the Catan Shards, the problem children that they were, um, now have an innate 5-plus feel no pain. So that is a big deal, because right now, what you would have to do to have the most durable model in the game is Transcend to Catan, who halves damage, giving him the 4-plus Feel-No-Pain save. So he has 4-up half damage, and a 4-up Feel-No-Pain. That is something that should have never been allowed to happen.
0: <laughs> yeah, all kinds of neat stuff. Uh, Royal Wardens. Uh, never knew what to do with them before. I do now. Uh, they got rid of their Assault Heavy buff, but uh, now they give... Um, Units that they lead, uh, fall back and shoot.
1: I think that's what they did in Ninth Edition too.
0: Yeah, so that's back. So that that was a critical thing there. So pretty neat stuff. So mm-hmm. overall, there's a lot. This, it seems like there's a lot more to play with. Uh, nothing really. I mean, there's a few tweaks here and there, and I'm probably oversimplifying. There's probably a Necron player just screaming at me, but I also I'll just politely say back reread the codex try again um comparatively when a codex comes out this doesn't seem like the, the complete overhaul we've seen in the past where you're just like oh my god this, is, this arm is completely different
1: mm-hmm. yeah this one very much feels like it is a a tweaking rather than an overhaul because overhauls are generally bad and incredibly unbalanced. Yeah.
0: So an army that needed an overhaul, at least in the popular opinion, was Adeptus Mechanicus. So they have a codex as well. And did they get that overhaul? And what did they look like? Well, um, sort of. So there's been more significant changes here, but uh, the biggest things that we're seeing here is the detachments give the play... I would say playtesters, not the right word, game designers a lot more flexibility to move things around. So it's interesting when you take an army that has been historically one of the worst so far in 10th edition, uh, all of a sudden you start adding some new detachment rules and there's a lot going on there. So...
1: Mm -hmm. Yep, it's... I'm not well versed in Admech, but I will try to beep the boops and bop the beeps.
0: So, um, the, the Doctor and have not changed. So, we're still, don't no, have to roll on the crazy chart to figure out what song the choir is singing. Mm-hmm. Um, you either can be, I'm in defensive mode, my ranged weapons are heavy. And if you're in your deployment zone, um, excuse me, if I'm in my deployment zone, you're minus one. I, I can talk. I reduce your AP by one, or the other way around. Uh, my weapons have assault. And if you're in your deployment zone, I get plus one to my assault. By, Uh, armor piercing so that part hasn't changed Uh, the guy on stilts is as ugly as the model is you're going to need him because he comes up quite a bit so (laughs) yeah I
1: think he I think I could have assumed right where he has infiltrate he has stealth he probably has lone operative
0: and he benefits from a lot of the detachments where he just gets additional buffs to, to his attacks so he's actually an effective sniper an effective thing.
1: sniper what's that supposed to be
0: yeah i know it's crazy the radmon Barbets. So this is the uh, dismal original detachment that came out it got a complete reworking and i think it's kind of cool so the big difference here is a round in a first battle round your opponent can either choose to uh take their lumps they can stand firm in which case they suffer d3 mortal wounds uh, on a three plus or they can take cover in which case they' are battle shocked for the rest of the round but the key thing they changed was and take d3 mortal wounds on a five up then so no longer is either to either take mortal wounds or i just take turn off because yay I, I don't care about battle shock now you still you take mortal wounds no matter what but it's, it's a three up or a five up <laughs>
1: yep that's a that's a nice healthy little change mm-hmm.
0: there yep and then for the rest of the battle, at the start of each of your command phases, the radioactive fall- each of your command phases. So, uh, the radioactive fallout further assails your opponent's units, inflicting uh, mortal wounds and forcing a battle shock test on a three plus. So you're getting both effects.
1: <laughs> yep, it's forcing your opponent to leave home base and come meet you in the middle. Given and, they don't have, like, leadership four.
0: <laughs> correct. And that metal gets a little tighter because there is an enhancement called radial suffusion. That means if you're within six inches of your deployment zone, you're still in the rad zone.
1: Nuclear fallout is an amazing tool.
0: <laughs> so those of you who play Infinity, I know mean, one of their missions does this. Uh, each turn, the, the deployment zones become dangerous to both players. So it's kind of a neat little version of that.
1: Yep. And then some of the other enhancements I don't think they've really changed that much because there's still the anti infantry 2, Anti-Monster 4 uh, stuff like Breachers and Destroyers have Anti-Vehicle already so da-da. Um, it looks like they did lose the Vengeful Fallout strat which I don't remember what that one was.
0: It's okay. We got rid of it. Uh, We got a pre-calibrated purge solution. Full rerolls to hit when targeting an enemy unit that's in the opponent's deployment zone. So you stayed back a little too far. You're dead. I mean,
1: Iron Striders will do that. Mm-hmm. And then lethal dosage gives lethal hits. <laughs> Very straightforward. Yep. Um, and then. It can be used on any unit now instead of anything but a vehicle. Uh, Whatever the Master Eradicator is, apparently, like, double up on sixes,
0: I guess? Yeah. There's a couple cool stuff. Um, Bullwalk Imperative, you get a four-up invul save to a Skitar unit, and um, big deal, because you've already got five-up, so I'm not really sure what the big deal is. there are some other abilities that I've also talk about it now. The big change for the Onager Doomcrawler, for example, uh, used to be that it had the same movement rules as a titanic that it could go over four-inch terrain. That's style gone. Instead, it can project its um, energy field, so a four-up involved to nearby battle line units. So, as it's marching up the field, it kind of does like the Gungan thing where um, they're all underneath the bubble. I don't know how much you'd use bull or comparative at this point. Yeah, maybe I'm missing something. So,
1: yeah, maybe you catch the unit that's not inside the bubble because it might be wholly within. But
0: maybe so. If you liked um, Ninth Edition Admech, then the next uh, detachment is for Yule. This is uh, Skatari Infantry, mounted and Iron Strider units gain stealth. And in addition, Sicarian units gain uh, cover when shot at from outside of 12 inches.
1: Uh, so Mr. Sniperman gets cover almost all the time.
0: Right. Now you add Belisarius call to the mix. He gives cover to all the units that <laughs> under ridiculous, that, as they describe, that fit underneath an American large pizza. And then you add the honors dune crawlers, which dole out the four and vulnerable save to battle line units. So, all of a sudden, you're minus one to hit, three up save with a four up invul, pretty much army wide.
1: Yep. Yeah, and some of the enhancements are, I'm going to hope, are fancy, like the Cantic Thrall Net within 12. Yep. That one's neat. It gives you both Protector and Conqueror imperatives. Nice. Yeah. That one is actually kind of awesome. And then the Clandestine Infiltrator grants both Infiltrator and Scout 6. Hmm.
0: Pretty nice. So I know what you're thinking. You're digesting what I just said before with the 3-up, 4-up uh, invol. Eric, that's not enough. There's too much devastating wounds in the in the game. Uh, a, I would say, I think you're overstating that, but just in case, let's throw a Bionic Endurance on a, a Sicarian, per, Parexy, or a Sidonian unit. Now they got a 5-up, feel no pain, in addition to all that. For one. Hmm. so like that uh you can imp- for two cp you can improve the ap of all your weapons to two skitari units uh either in the fighting or the shooting phase of course whenever you play that stratagem uh, other neat little stuff um just a lot of neat little tools that really work into this and i have to reread the rules specifically when you're next to battle line um units, how you get extra. This one's particularly neat, called Programmed Withdrawal. Uh, Two Saharan units, or one uh, Skatarii Infantry or Mounted unit. Uh, Move them into strategic Reserves at the end of your opponent's fight phase, provided they're at least three inches away from enemy units.
1: Mm -hmm. The one that I liked was the Isolate and Destroy. It gives them the War Dog Stalker treatment of plus one to wound, as long as there's not a friendly enemy unit within six inches of whatever you're shooting at that is pretty cool but it gives it to Sakarin, taraxy sidonian iron striders and cerberus units that is pretty cool All right. and then after that we go to data Sump conclave which i'm assuming is there hey we're melee bros we send arcoflagellants up your way i guess or whatever. Oh, no, electro priests. That's what those are. Yeah. Archipelagons so are yeah. human. So,
0: so this is for you folks that were way back in the way when Skitari were in a Codex and Cult Mechanicus were in a separate Codex. And you're like, I only want Mechanicus half? This is the Cult Mechanicus half. So their little attachment rule is at the start of the battle round, the attachment can pick one of the uh, two game long buffs for a cult mechanic as unit. You can either do the shooting version, uh, so you get plus one AP within half range, or the melee version, which you get plus one attack and plus one strength, uh, every time you charge. Hmm. So, furious charge versus an improvement in armor piercing your choice.
2: Yep,
1: that one, I think the pangyric procession will probably be seen most play out of that one because you're probably going to get within half range or something eventually.
0: Yeah, I, it just, it seems like you have to transport heavy, which in this meta, it's okay, it's kind of a given, but...
1: Mm-hmm. And they even pointed out in the article where procession is boring, but effective. Yeah. It is meat
0: and potatoes, basically. Yeah. When you combine this with some stratagems in here, it actually gets, it, it piles on pretty quick. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, incantation of the iron soul. Uh you get a four-up feel no pain against mortal wounds. Uh, that's a little outdated. It would have been just been great against devastating wounds as well. But can the remorseless fist, plus one to wound. Uh verse of the vengeance, uh, fight on death on a four up, all pretty nifty. Um, there's another four up involve save to a single unit in the enemy shooting phase, so that's kind of nice. So that all kind of works in pretty well, and there's also a minus one battle shock,
2: yeah.
1: And then next one is the explorator maniple,
0: yeah. I don't know this one enough. Uh, at, at this one it sounds cool, I kind of like the beginning one. All this, oh, yeah, if you're in your deployment zone, you're in trouble, but if you're all the action has to be at table anyway, so how long are units going to be in your opponent's deployment zone? This one kind of focuses on no man's land. So this is kind of neat. So at the start of your command phase, pick an objective marker to be your acquisition objective marker. Until your next command phase, each time you target an enemy unit with an attack, ranged, or melee, if either you, your unit or the enemy unit is within range of the acquisition target, you roll wounds of one. Hmm. Yep,
1: yeah, that one. It's fun but it is very situational in that your opponent has knowledge of where not to be or if they're going to be there being the most hidden that they can be while
0: doing so right so i'm going to skip ahead to an essential part is there's a stratagem called the info slave stratagem which lets you do that twice so you can pick a second acquisition objective
1: yep i think that one is definitely going to be another one of those where it's If you have the ability to play this one effectively, you can tank your opponent's primary score pretty darn well because you spend the 1 CP every turn to go, I picked this one, this one. These two, I don't want you here. So your opponent's going to know that they're going to clear out those two objectives.
0: I would agree. And the enhancements and the stratagems all lean into this. Um, remember, uh, the orders in, um, the old ad back book from ninth edition.
1: Oh yeah. That crazy table. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They got dumped into here. So the Magos, uh, for example, um, uh, was, uh, a nice way of regenerating CP. Um, if you're on the objective, if your tech priest is on an obj- acquisition objective, you get an extra CP on a four plus. The genitor, uh, he... And his bodyguards get a four invulnerable saves if they're on a acquisition objective. So if you, hit, for example, putting this on Cataphron Preachers, the Genitor Tech Priest Dominus now has a three up, four up roll with a five up feel no pain. <laughs>
1: Make him real, real durable.
0: Yeah. I see your Necron Warriors and I raise you my new toy.
1: <laughs> yeah. But overall, this detachment this is not very interesting to me. It's table control, objective button pressing, mm-hmm. but ADMIC can be pretty fragile outside of things like the Castellan robots, which are the next attachment.
0: Yes, they are. Let's go into those real quick. Uh, this was an interesting change because this is one of the few data slate changes. So the biggest one before we get into this one is Datasmith can now switch the programming of the of robots without a leadership change. So they don't, there's no failure. And number two, they are no longer infantry. So So they
1: have to walk around buildings.
0: Yes, but they are also immune to anti-infantry fire. So my my poison darts are not going to mow you down on a three plus.
1: Yeah. So they're, I think that's the only detachment rule is that they get the, the doctrina imperatives now. I don't think there's any other rules for the detachment. There are not. <laughs> and then enhancements, um, emotionless clarity, which allows you once per turn to automatically trigger a deadly demise on an atomic vehicle or a cybernetic amado within 12.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: that That's kind of silly. Um, and then the arch negator, uh, negator Gives you anti-vehicle 4-up. And then kind of scrolling through everything else, like the stratagem, um, mode of imperative, gives you three
0: extra inches of movement. Hmm. That's not bad. And plus one to advance and charge.
1: And I just found the auto-definatory targeting that ignores cover and makes you a BS of 3. So if you have a plus one to hit, you're hitting on
2: twos. Pretty cool.
1: Add a selected objective marker, though. (laughs) So you need to be shooting your opponent off of a button. Um, Machine Spirit Resurgence. If you're below starting strength, you get full rerolls to hit (laughs) in either ranged or melee punch. So, (laughs) That's a spicy meatball.
0: Yep. So a lot of the uh, units did get some changes on their data slates. Probably the biggest one, I wanna make sure I get to it. Um, Tech Priest Engine Seer, to talk about change of the times. In the past, it used to give vehicles a four-pin vulnerable Dave. And uh, in the day of mass haywire shots, pretty useless. Well, that's now changed. Uh, now it gives out a five-up film pain to all vehicles within its RO range. Ooh. So now you're really stacking up saves left and right uh, with that around.
1: Yep. And then it looks like the Dune Riders um, for the fire support rule, which lets the unit that disembarked from them as long as the transport shot at the same target, like reroll ones to wound or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it also sounds like Twin link gets added to some of the guns. I don't know. I've only been shot at by AdMac. I don't know all the rules. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that one I had to look up as well. I wasn't sure how that was faring, so I was like, oh, okay, I better look that one up. But um a lot of tweaks, a lot of fun, and a lot of options. So I'm excited. And I haven't even thought of okay, here's all the new rules on top. You can still splash a knight into all this. Uh, or some war dogs. So I'm like, oh, that could be neat. So, a lot going on in this particular codex. Without, oh my god, everything's been dialed up to 11.
1: Yeah, we just kind of need to see how the points are going to work out for them now. Because these two armies have either been incredibly expensive or incredibly cheap Yeah. in the past.
0: Yeah, I agree. So, that's going to be a very... uh telling situation when that comes out so but um, I'm excited I mean this is not only just for these two armies but the general trend the way how codices have been written and rolling out I hope this continues as we uh, get into the next phase I guess um, the next group for early next year is what Chaos Space Marines and Dark Angels I think are next is that true
1: Uh... Uh, trying to remember the roadmap off the top of my head I know it's Dark Angels, Tau, Orc, Custodians, Chaos Space Marines, Genesier, Cult, and Sisters.
0: And whatever was redacted. So we'll see what that would be. So there yeah. we go. That is your latest in all things competitive. We'll see how things change up uh, over the next few weeks as we look over the next few tournaments. And um, should be an interesting time in the next three weeks before the Christmas holiday. And then, of course, we get back into the last gas for ITC points before LVO in January.
1: Mm-hmm. Robert,
0: but... anything else to add before we uh, wrap things up? Nope, not today. Okay. So, again, if you want to reach out to us once again, check out that ever-growing Facebook page group. i will be more than happy to answer your questions there. You can check us out there. In the meantime, my name's Eric. I'm Robert. And thank you for listening to the Extremis podcast.
2: Hey listeners, this is Raymond with the Extremis podcast here to talk to you about KR cases. If you're like me and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your uh, armies, then look no further than KR cases. That's right. This is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in the cardboard cases. They're a great way to mix and match Whenever you're heading out for that next tournament, you can just swap out those boxes. And no need to worry about switching the foam in and out. They're sturdy. The boxes help protect your models. And if you, when you order, they come fast. The order is right. And for a better price than the other guy. So go to krcases.com. And when you place your order, be sure to mention the house podcast.
1: Is your beer keg boring? Does it not have enough tentacles coming out of it? Does it not taste as funny as you remember because you didn't put a tear in it? Well, the wonderful makers of the Necro-Nom-Nom-Nom-Nom-Nom to replace your average pizza decided to come out with another book of the Lovecraft Cock. So they're from RedDukeGames.com and it will guide you through 78 different kinds of cocktails to summon a demon, summon a space bug, who knows either way it's going to be a very very wonderful time and we would highly recommend that you try to not ingest too many while at the gaming table because we don't know exactly what's going to happen when you roll perils of the warp or you roll a natural one on your persuasion check if you decide to play indeed so if you're looking for fanciful drinks go ahead and grab the lovecraft cocktails by the madmen at reddukegames.com the makers of the Necro nom nom
2: Are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint? Do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them? If either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college-trained professional painter. You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook.